0: Four, please. The knackered golfist now driving. Hello and welcome to the knackered golfist podcast. My name is Trent Barr. I wanted to share an episode with you that a conversation I had with Bob Friend. Now, Bob Friend is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He grew up in Arnold Palmer's backyard. He grew up playing Oakmont Country Club. He played in U.S. Opens. He played in PGA Championships. He played in PGA Tour tournaments. He's played with the golf greats. He's played with Nicholas, Palmer, Faldo, Tiger Woods, Paul Azinger, Payne Stewart. All those guys he's played with around a golf in some way or form. Seve Basteros. He played with those guys. I am was so thrilled to be able to talk to him. He made a post on the... Uh, the Society for Golf Historians page on Facebook. And I am so thrilled to be able to talk to Bob Friend. So thank you for listening to the Knackered Golfist Podcast. And now without further ado is my conversation with Bob Friend. Thank you for listening. Bob friend hi bob how are you my name is trent barr how are you i'm well trent i'm gonna go over to my uh earbuds okay hold okay, on okay no problem me, uh, get this
1: are we ready to go or is this just a preliminary call
0: um we're ready to go i mean i'm yeah it's fine hold on let me get, the, yeah, let me get my buds in hold no on. big deal so what part of
1: california is sacramento
0: yeah i'm in uh it's a town called roseville california it's outside sacramento Okay. And uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I hear you fine. How, how about right. me? Cool. Yeah, you sound perfect. Um, All right. I I wanted to ask you. Um, um, I mean, I mean, if 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 did you play in the U.S. Senior Open in 2015 at Del Paso Country n- Club? No, I have
1: not. I have not played in the U.S. Senior Open yet, and uh, that's the thing that really kind of bums me out quite a bit. Actually, I got oh. uh, I missed the Masters and. Uh, the Open Championship. Never played in the Open, but I played in the U.S. I played in the the Senior Open at Carnoustie in 2016. And uh, but I never got. I came close to getting the Masters. I almost won the Canadian Open. Um, yeah. In '98, and that would have gotten me in. And then, uh, you know, I I came close to qualifying for Senior Open. I haven't qualified yet. I might try this year. Right. But I'm I'm busy. I'm in the real estate business now. I manage a very large real estate office in Pittsburgh and okay. uh I'm busier than a one-legged man in an ass kicking contest.
0: <laughs> well, I got to say um thank you so much for letting me call you and talk to you sure. about stuff. I mean, I'm a huge I'm a huge golf fan. I saw your post on the uh the Society for Golf Historians. Yeah, on I love that fi- I love that site. A lot of lot of crazy golf people. It's great. Yeah, it's great. You know, and and I, I run a I started a site actually on Facebook. It's called Forge Golf Appreciation. Sorry, Forge Golf Club Appreciation. And yeah. guys come in from all over the world and they post pictures of the Forge Golf Clubs that they love. Um you know, you. So you posted a. The reason why I'm calling you is you posted a, a, a amazing picture of you playing golf with Arnold Palmer and Seve Ballesteros at Bay yeah. Hill. Yeah. And and oh my gosh, that's got to be. I mean, you're from Pittsburgh. You're from Arnold Palmer country, and your dad was a pitcher for the Pirates. And oh my yeah. gosh, you're a member at Oakmont. Good lord. Very that's blessed. Like, that's the that's a that's a trifecta of blessings. I I would have to say.
1: Well, it, it is. I was, uh, you know, I just, uh, just, I mean, what can I say? I mean, I've known Arnold since I was, I knew Arnold since I was about thirteen years old uh, oh my through my dad, and uh, my father joined Oakmont in nineteen seventy-two, yes. and I've been, I've been very blessed in that uh, I've been a member there ever since, and I'm on the board there, and uh, I play there, you know, once or twice a week. It's the place is just, it's a freak show.
0: Oh my goodness! Now, now you and I have one thing in common um yep. we both have shook we've shaken arnold palmer's hand now yes you've set, you obviously have done it several times i was i was in his presence i would say for probably 30 seconds to a minute i uh i shook his hand at the uh 1995 franklin fun shark shootout in uh, okay. thousand oaks california Yep, thousand oaks i've played there yeah yeah and i didn't and, play in the shootout but i've played the golf course yeah, it's a it's an amazing it's a Jack Nicholas design in the yep. hills. Um, Wayne Gretzky, yep. a member, and it's Wayne Gretzky's there, sure. Yeah, and probably Joe Pesci and a bunch of other guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, so, w- gosh, I mean, how do you, I mean, everybody asks everybody else who's done stuff. It's like, what was it like, you know? And and you know, you you had Arnold Palmer there, and you were you were there in his presence for several times, and just what is that? What does that do for you? I mean, well,
1: I mean, it's just you know, for me, I think that uh, you know, when you go and you take a look at how I grew up, and my dad, you know, pitched with the Pirates from 1951 through 1965, Yankees and the Mets in '66, and uh, played in four All-Star games, 1960 World Series. Um, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball in the in the 50s and 60s. Yes. So I was never, I was never a, a quote unquote starstruck guy because mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. always around it. I mean, it wasn't uncommon, you know, growing up that uh, my dad retired when I was three. But it wouldn't be uncommon to go to an old timers game with him somewhere. Oh yeah, and you know, shooting the shit with Mickey Mantle and Henry Aaron and oh, Willie wow. Mays and Willie McCovey and Whitey Ford, yeah. Stan Musial, all those guys. So I was never really, I never have had the the the. I've never been starstruck just because I grew up around it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. But
1: still, you know, Arnold Palmer, uh, you know, I've played with Jack Nicholas, I've played with Tom Watts, and all these guys. Oh, man. You know, Arnold Palmer's a little different. You know, I've known Arnold again for a long time. Yeah. Uh, 1994, played uh, on Monday, I qualified for the U.S. Open at Oakwood, which was an honor. You know, qualify for the U.S. Open to play the U.S. Open at your at your home golf course. Mm-hmm. And um, so on Monday, so I was actually time I was living in Jupiter, Florida. I'd been married about a year. I had I graduated from LSU. I played in practice at a place in Jupiter called Jonathan's Landing Golf Club. Uh-huh. And so I'm playing at that time. in 94. I was playing the Nike Tour, played at the PGA Tour 92 and three. And so I qualified for the Open. I actually played at Sunny Hannah. Shot 68, 66. I got won the medal. And well, by like five shots and then I, I got in the open. And so Sunday night after or I should say Monday night after the open after after the qualifier, I play one more week in Cleveland on the Nike tour. Then we go to my my uh, my wife at the time and I we go back to my parents house in Pittsburgh, get ready for the open that week. Mm-hmm. And so Sunday night we get there and my dad is, you know, he said, obviously he's very proud and tickled that his son's playing the open at, at Oakmont. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he said, so what's the plan this week? I said, well, it's going to be really hot. Yeah. And I said, look, I said, I, I don't need to go out there and grind in the golf course. I said, I can, I, 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 know every square inch of it. Right. I said, so I'm going to go out on Monday and I'm going I said, I'm going to go out there about noon. I'm going to pick up my courtesy car. I'm going to hit some balls, going to chip, going to putt and just kind of, have a very slow, easy day. I said, "Oh, that's great. I'm gonna, i come with you." I said, "Great." Yeah. So I go out there around noon, get to the club, register everything else, and you know all the all the volunteers that you know sign in. players. I mean, they're all members. They're all my friends. They're all know all my dad. And it's great. So yeah, I get down to the range. I get down to the range around two o'clock, one thirty, two o'clock. And I'm down there hitting balls, and my dad's there, watching me hit balls inside the ropes on a seat stick. And then I hear this voice that, "Hey, Bobby, friend." And it was Arnold Palmer. You know, I recognize the voice. It's Arnold Palmer.
0: Oh gosh.
1: And he comes up and he says hello to my dad and they get caught up slapping to the back. He says, well, what are you doing? I just said, I said, Arnold, I said, I'm going to just practice. little but he says, well, I'm going off. I'm going off in about, uh, 30 minutes with Calcovecchia and Goidos. He says, you want to join us? I said, I you know, Arnold Palmer asked you to play around the golf. He don't <laughs> say no. Good Lord. You know, so I, uh, I said, sure, that'd be great. And so we go up there and it's Goidos, myself, Calc, and the king, and so we get on the first tee, it was, it was actually funny. So I said, look, I said, I can really, I'm really only going to play nine holes. And everybody's like, great. So Arnold says, okay, here's the deal. gentlemen." he says, we're going to play dollar skins, and he said, with carryovers, and he said, we're, we're paying the day, boys. I'm like, okay, great. So I go out there, <laughs> I shoot like, I shoot like 33, I win six skins, okay? Oh, so goodness. I get on the ninth, walk over the 10th tee with the guys, Goidos pays, Calcavecchia pays. Watch the guys tee off. I shake Arnold's hand, give him a hug. He says, "Good luck this week, young man. Good to see you here. Yeah. I'll see you later in the week." And so they they leave and they go down and they're going down ten and I'm, I'm done. So I'm I got my caddy and uh, so I go in the golf shop and Bob Ford, uh, the head longtime golf professional, there and yeah. I go into his office and he, he he always Bob Ford always called me Luke. He called that, that came from Lou Worsham. Oh, okay. It was a long time. But Luke called every every male golf professional was called Luke. And Luke <laughs> called every female golf professional a Lucy. So Luke's and Lucy. So Bob always called me Luke. He said, "Luke." He said, "How was the King?" I said, "Yeah, Bob." I said, "Playing with Arnold is it's the best." Yeah. He said, "You he said you guys have a little game." I said, "We played a little game." He said, "Well, how'd you do?" I said, "Well, I won six skins." He said, "That's great." He, he, I said, "King didn't pay." He looked at me and he laughed. He says, "Friendly, King. <laughs> king never pays." <laughs> oh man. So we played that day, and then uh, you know, then the, obviously then I, I you know bebopped on the Nike Tour, the Buy.com Tour, whatever it was called. Then I ended up uh, in '97. I got my uh, PGA Tour card back. Right at Greenleaf, I shot 63 the final round. I played the last 27 holes in 12 under, and um, I got uh, you know I got my card back on the number. And so had a great year in '98. Had three top tens, the second place of the Canadian. And so. Yeah. 99. I'm I'm exempt for everything because top 70, and I finished 57th on the money list. Right. Top 70 gets you exempt in everything on the PGA right. Tour the next year. So um, Arnold, even when I wasn't exempt into this tournament, Arnold always gave me a spot. Uh, oh. He was just the most gracious guy in the world. I'd write him a nice letter, and Jim Bell, who ran the tournament at that time, he just said, "Bobby, Arnold called me. He said he wants you in. You know, you got. You know, he was just the best guy." And so. Oh. I played my practice round on Tuesday with Paul Azinger yeah. at Bay Hill. Paul was a friend of mine. We both worked at, with John Redman. Oh, and yeah. So Zangers, yes. Yeah, the Gold yeah, coach, right? Yep. John was, John was a teacher. He, was, he learned under Tommy Armour. Yes. And uh, so John, uh, you know, he was going to work with both Paul and I. will follow us around the whole day uh, in our practice round. So we go off at like 730 in the morning on Tuesday playing the practice round. And uh, we get done. John's there. We all go into the players' dining area. We're eating, and they they come and they put the uh, you know they put the, the tea times for Thursday, Friday, and all the dining tables. So we grab one, and he said, uh, "We're looking, we're looking, looking to see when go off." And Zinger goes, he goes, "Holy shit, Friendly, did you see your pairing?" I said, "No." He says, "You've got the you've got the king and sevy. I'm like, <laughs> "What?" He oh said, "Yeah." God. He says, "You got the king and sevy. I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So oh. I. I looked at it and sure enough. Yeah. I had, I had, I was late early. Uh, I was late on Thursday, early on Friday. Oh. And, uh, you know, I knew Arnold and it was obviously Arnold had arranged for that, you know, tea time. I will, you know, my career at that time, it wasn't warranted a pairing with, you know, the greatest name in the history of the game and Seve by so So oh, we played, uh, you know, we played Thursday and Friday and, uh, just had a wonderful time, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was an honor. It was a privilege. Uh, when I was on tour, uh, I never, you know, when I was out on the road and I'd play four or five weeks in a row, then I'd come home and I'd relax for three or four days with my friends, yeah. maybe go to a pirate game, maybe just, just kind of hang out and not do anything. And then the last four days of the week off, I would grind. Okay. Uh, but I never, I never drank when I was on the road. I mean, like I would never have a beer, never have wine. I would just, I, you know, I was a professional athlete. So
0: yeah,
1: um, when I got done on Thursday, we got done in the evening. And we come off with the, this time we uh, we we finished on 18, and uh, we go up and you know shake hands, go in the scoring tent, and then we're done signing our scorecards. And Arnold slaps me in the back. He said, "What do you say we go in and have a rolling rock?" So again, it's like what, Arnold Palmer's asking you for a beer. You don't turn that down. So like, oh, yeah, sure. yeah. So we uh, we went in the clubhouse. We shared a rolling rock, and um, you know just chit chat a little bit. Had a night. He's just a great guy. And so. Uh, you know, we played the next day uh, in the morning. We played early, late. We played late, early. Excuse me. We played uh, start off on ten, yeah. and that's the uh, you know that was where I don't know if you saw the post I had, but yeah, uh, that's yeah. I mean, we went off at we were off at like you know eight o'clock in the morning, off at ten, and Seve pulls his second shot into the left green side bunker, and uh, it was on it was on a flat. It wasn't a, it wasn't fried egg in the hill. It was, a, it was on the flight. It was a fried egg. There was a big meniscus there, and it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a fried egg. And the pin is cut four paces on, four from the left. And Arnold and I are just standing on the green. Mm. And Seve kind of looks at it, and he gets, hits this shot out of, a, out of a fried egg. And the ball came out, took one hop, and stopped three feet from the hole. Mm. And that's, you know, Arnold hit me in the ribs. He said, have you ever seen anything like that? I said, I don't know. He said, I have never seen that. Oh, so goodness. the Sevy had, he had, the, he had the ability to hit, he hit, he hit it all over the place. Yeah. He was a guy at that time in his career. He had, he was on his way down. He wasn't playing much. He would hit some of the most beautiful shots you'd ever seen. And then he just hit something that literally looked like a, a 20 handicap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then he would, he was a gentleman the whole way, but he hit some of the most amazing recovery shots. And he was just a, just a real gentleman. It was a real tragedy to lose him at such a, such a young age.
0: Yeah, I uh, for, uh, forgive me, forgive me for saying this, but I I wasn't as much into Sevi as many other people were. I didn't know about the brilliance of Sevi until recently, and I was more of a Nick Faldo follower, being sure. tall and being of the early '90s. And Sevi, just I mean, I've heard stories about Sevi, and there's some videos on YouTube that I frequently watch just to sort of relax. There's no. this video there's this video of him hitting balls I think it um on a range at the world match play and it's just a guy hitting balls with his his uh soft elegance of just being able to take the club back coming to parallel and just that just the the elegance and the um the 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 genius of the stroke or of the uh, of the swing and it's like oh my gosh that's Sevy and I had no idea, and I and I, I sort of hit myself in the chest. It's like, why weren't you more of a Sevi fan? And uh, I just like, I'm sorry, you know, I, I I am totally turned around on that. And and then you have the Arnold Palmer aspect. I've always been a fan of Arnold Palmer. And how could you not be? I mean, just, he literally just, I mean, he was he he was the everyman. I mean, he literally yeah, you know, he
1: was. Uh, you know, literally, like I, I remember a, a practice round in '94 at the Open on Monday at Oakmont. That yeah. uh, he, you know, we'd hit tee shots, and there were, and this is a Monday of the Open. This, this is '94. and There were probably five thousand people following us. Yeah. And after every tee shot, Arnold would make his way to the ropes, and he would sign autographs. to Everybody. Oh yeah. But the interesting thing is that he wouldn't just like grab it, look down, sign, put his hand out, grab it. He'd actually look people in the eye and he'd wink oh, at it and yes. he'd smile at it.
0: Oh, he was the best. So the thing, but City the, was. Yeah. Go ahead. So the thing about Arnold or Mr. Palmer is that he was amazing because when I had my handshake with him, it was after the round. It was after I was done watching the guys on the range. He was in this car park or parking lot and he had his loaner car and he was there with two other guys that could have been his caddy or whatever. And I was like, excuse me, Mr. Palmer, can I shake your hand? And he says, "Sure." He turns right around, looks me in the eye, and he gave me the handshake that I will never ever forget. It was the most unbelievable experience of my life with a with a, with a with a professional celebrity athlete person. And I will just the, he just he shook my hand, and I said, "Thank you so much." And it was so great to see you out there because I had seen him at the Fred Meyer Challenge in Portland playing with Peter yep. Jacobson and just just and he was playing with Peter at that Franklin Fun shootout and my gosh it's just it's like you hand, you have a handshake with god right there you know kind of thing well he yeah. was you know the oh. thing
1: is is that first of all you, you probably noticed the size of his hands
0: oh yes yes it,
1: and they were and they were they were big they were powerful but they were soft
0: yes exactly. and uh, you
1: know my hands you know my hit all these golf balls and uh, i mean my hands were all callous. my hands my hands you know when i was on tour my hands felt like burnt toast Oh, yeah, but his hands—his yeah. hands, hands were—they were big, they were powerful, but they were soft. Yeah, and uh, he was a very powerful man, but he was oh. just—you uh, know—I'll never forget the times that I spent with him. And then when I played a little bit on the Champions Tour from 2014 through 2017, mm. um, you know, I had—I I had to go down somewhere in the wintertime time because my status was uh, conditional status, so I had to qualify for. And I ended up playing like 16 events. I had one top 10 finish. On the Champions Tour, I played, finished eighth at the Dick Sporting Goods Open. Oh yeah. Uh, but I had, to, but I had to go. I had to find some place to play in and practice. And I actually went to Bay. I, I, I called Doc Giffen, mm. who was Arnold's longtime, you know, personal secretary, personal guy. Oh yeah. And that, that. I just, I, and I just said, Doc, you know, I said, and he knew me. Doc knew my dad from years ago because Doc was on, was a uh, sports writer for the Pittsburgh Press, and then, and then Arnold hired him as his assistant yes but my dad knew him i've known doc since i was a little kid and i just said hey doc this is what i'm looking to do he said absolutely he said i'll talk, call arnold and then doc called me back a day later said yep arnold would love to have you play in practice down there not a problem so mm. the funny thing is is that i knew him well um and you know you'd sit there at bay hill they had this game called the shootout every day and it's every day guys you sit there and uh there's a there's a there's a point quota and there's a point system and you play at noon and you there's, you know, usually like five or six groups go out and you play. Mm. And when we got done now, this was, again, this was like 16. This is like 15, 16, 17. Arnold had had a couple of falls later in his life. And so he really wasn't able to really play, which was a big bummer for him. And, but we would get done with the shootout and we'd all go in and we would go down into the men's locker room at Bay Hill. Now he was a huge stickler. You know, gentlemen take their hats off. Oh yes. Oh yes. And, you know, you'd go in, you'd take your hat off, and you'd go down, you'd turn the corner, and there was Arnold sitting there, usually with Dal Finsterwald and a new new Finster. Oh, my God, um, Dal
0: Finsterwald. Wow. Yeah, Dow
1: Finsterwald lived there at Bay Hill, and wow. he and Arnold were best friends. Oh. And uh, you turn the corner, and Dow and Finster, they drink drinking, Dow would drink vodka, and Arnold would either have vodka or he'd have a Manhattan, and he'd be there and, you know, give you a wink, give you a handshake, a pat on the back. And, you know, after a while, it just just kind of dawned on me, I just like, Jesus, you know, you're I mean, you know Arnold Palmer. I mean, how how <laughs> cool how cool is that? That is so You know, it's cool. like my God, it's in New York. Yeah, it is. It's like you're you're like you're in the you're in the presence of greatness. You know, mm-hmm. Sevy was you talk about Sevy, I mean Sevy was Sevy was not a small man. Sevy was about six foot two. Oh really? Um oh yeah, he was about six foot two. But mm-hmm. you know, uh Faldo and I played with Faldo the Saturday of the Bell South Classic in Atlanta in ninety nine. Oh, yeah. Right. In a, right. Two, in a twosome. Uh, Faldo was, he was a, the the, the thing that kind of got me about Faldo is that Faldo, he was, a, he was a big man. First time I ever saw him in person was the 88 U.S. Open. I qualified hmm. at the country club. The country club, yeah. Yep. First time I ever saw him in person was the practice round. Uh, I was there and I had just finished my practice round and I was talking to my caddy and all this commotion and I looked to the right and there was Nick Faldo coming in and there's press around him and people around him. And he walked past me and I just thought, Jesus, this is a big guy. You know, yeah. I've seen him on television, but it's like shit, he's big. He's yeah. about six foot, about six foot five, about 215, 220 pounds. Wow. I mean he was built he was built like a cornerback. Yeah. Um, but I played with him, I played with him and sat on the Saturday at Bell South, and he was very nice. The thing that amazed me is as big a guy as he was, he didn't hit it anywhere for a guy that size.
0: Oh yeah. Literally,
1: he just he just he was a but he was a tactician. I mean, he could, he could hit whatever shot he needed to hit um, is what he did. And he was, he was a real tactician, beautiful golf swing, very polite, very quiet, yeah. but uh, a real gentleman as well.
0: Now, is that just because he used a persimmon driver? Is that what you mean? No, he was, no, 99. He was using metal. Oh, yeah. He was using he was, metal. He, he was using the Mizuno. Yeah, metal. he was yeah. using metalwood. Yeah, I think yeah. the last guy to use, I think I, the last
1: guy to use, I think was either Davis or Justin Leonard. Yes, you're right. Um, was the you're last right. guy to use a persimmon, but that yeah. was that would have been like ninety. I think Justin used it up until ninety-seven.
0: Right, and um, he won the he won the Open that year, right? Something like that. Right, correct.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, so but but everybody at ninety-nine, everybody at that time had switched to to metal.
0: Now, if 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 could I ask you like an equipment question? Because I love sure. guys that have played um, older equipment, and I mean, I heard another podcast that you you've been playing Titleist foot joy your whole career yep did you by chance i mean what was that i mean and then there's the ballada ball versus the pro v1 sort of thing and and oh my gosh you know i really missed the ballada ball era and the way guys could ship shape shots and just be elegant and it was all about the swing and ball striking and not distance you know yeah
1: yeah i played uh, i've been with Titleist since 1984 Yes. And I've been with Mizuno since 1997. I actually just have a brand new set of MP20s coming to me.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Uh, probably have them. Hopefully, here have them in about another week. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I played uh, the Tour Balata was a great golf ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the time before the Pro V1 ball came out, you could choose from either the tour balata or at that time the tour professional ball
0: yes and exactly. uh, and
1: i always went i always went with the tour balata and the tour professional is probably five to ten yards longer mm-hmm. but i always felt that you know the most important thing is the area around the grains and so yes. i always i continue to play the tour balata until i switched in 2001 to the uh the pro b1 ball right but the tour balata ball was i mean literally that was like hitting a tape ball around those grains I mean, you could You talk about one hop and stop with your wedges. Yes. Uh, That ball was so sticky. It was a great golf ball.
0: Yeah, it really was. I mean, even for me, I mean, I was a kid. I grew up in Sacramento and at the time didn't really have a lot of good golfing practice facilities, but I went to go play Poppy Hills once with my dad and I had a set of the Tor the Titleist Tor and I, I they had a practice green with a with a bunker around that green and I remember just I remember just being able to stick the uh the baladas out of the bunker onto the green. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at me, I'm doing this and these no, guys are high, doing that. Yeah. Had a uh, high spin rate, very high, very high
1: spin rate. Yeah. Uh, you could you would normally what would happen is that you'd sit there, you hit like two or three full sand wedge shots, wedge shots. Mm-hmm. And the ball would the ball would shear you'd get uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't yes. it, but it would shear. Yeah, it uh, would. but it was a, it was a great ball. I think that going taking a look and seeing what the what the USGA has done. And I know the whole story with the Pro v one ball and how it was approved and now how it passed all the tests, you know, the USGA, they're going to have to go back to, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a bifurcation of the rules, right, but they're going to have to go back to a ball with a higher spin rate. You just you just can't have this ball. Uh, you know that 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 flies at you know 375 yards and it doesn't curve. And yeah. they're gonna have to go back to a ball with a higher spin rate that the ball will, the ball will fly higher, will go a little shorter, and it will curve more. That's what they need. To, that's what they need to go back to.
0: Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. Um, now, did you use persimmon when you were? I mean, obviously back back in the 80s and 90s. The last, a lot of guys the last tournament,
1: the, the actual actually the last tournament that I used persimmon was a 1988 u.s open at brookline oh wow. i had uh i qualified i graduated from lsu in 86 i had a chance to make the u.s walker cup team in 87 yeah um i missed it, it was kind of an odd year actually i go and i take a look at the guys that are making it now and i would have made it easily mm-hmm. with what i had done in terms of the the from 84 85 and 86 um but i i qualified for the u.s open as a 20 year old at Wingfoot, um and then i qualified again at uh at Brookline, in 88 and i it was the last year i had a i had a mcgregor bob rossberg mcgregor oh wow and i uh, had a lot of bulge and roll on that face and i could i could murder it
0: yeah but you're
1: there and you and you go up and down the range and you see the finest players in the world they're all playing metal woods at that mm. time um i just said you know what i, I pulled the I pulled the TaylorMade made rep aside and just said you know what we gotta figure something out here so then i played TaylorMade for couple of years and then I got my hands on the on the great on the on the big bertha yeah
0: in ni- yeah. in
1: 19 1991 right. and then the uh the first week I think it was the first week that I was playing the big bertha I actually won on the Hogan tour oh
0: really? and then that was it was oh yeah I
1: shot uh that was the one Fort, Fort Wayne open right Fort Wayne open I shot 71 66 64 Got into oh, yes. a three-way playoff with, There's a California boy, Dennis Trixler.
0: Oh, I know, yeah.
1: Yeah, Dennis Trixler was from San Mateo. Uh, I, I beat Dennis Trixler and a Canadian by the name of Jerry Anderson on the third playoff hole. Mm. And, uh, wait, one, two, no, the fourth playoff, excuse me, fourth playoff hole, I hit a wedge in there about 18 inches and won the golf tournament. Wow. Uh, but that was the first time I'd played with the, with the Big Bertha driver, and I won the tournament. Wow. And so uh, – yeah, but I was uh, I was persimmon up until 1988, and after that it was all metal.
0: So, um, so TaylorMade was the predominant metal wood manufacturer back in oh, the eighties. Yeah. When it, actually, yeah, yeah, they yeah. were the first one. Is that is that correct? They were the first
1: one. That was they were the
0: first company. Now people will say, oh, you know,
1: Northwestern had it back in 1961. Well, you know what? Oh, the, wow. sorry. The first, the first, the first true metal wood for mass production that was actually quality was tailor-made. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. That was in the early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, gosh, there's so much stuff I want to ask. Um, are you okay on time? Are we, are we, sure, I'm good. Inf- yeah. In- infringing yeah. on the Steelers game? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Steelers are, Steelers <laughs> have a weekend with nothing to do. They, uh, they missed the
1: cut against the Browns last week. So I'm oh, just, goodness. I'm actually doing some, uh, minor maintenance around my house.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I, I, you mentioned, I mean, you're from Pittsburgh. Um, my family were into Mr. Rogers. We love Mr. Rogers sure. and Mrs. Yep. Rogers passed away this week. So yeah, we offer our condolences to well, somebody was, from Pittsburgh. I, actually,
1: you talk about all this sort of stuff and you go back, you look at life. I actually lived across the street from him. Well, um, get out! get out of yep. here. Yeah. My father, my father, after his baseball career, was, was Allegheny County, which is the the you know Pittsburgh and the surrounding communities. Allegheny County. Yeah. My father was Allegheny County controller. He was a controller, a yes. com- comptroller, handled all the money for the county. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. He was he was an unusual guy. Where in the you know, he played in the fifties, right out of high school, had no money. His dad had died when he was fifteen, but he went back his first seven seasons as a major league pitcher, and got a degree in economics from Purdue. And in the off-season, he sold mutual funds. Mm. So he was a very sharp guy, very finance-savvy guy. But he was an Allegheny County controller from 1968 to 1976. And in 1969, we actually moved onto a street in Squirrel Hill yes. called Beachwood, Beachwood Boulevard. And oh Mr. Rogers lived two doors down on the other side of the street. Oh, so I used to gosh. see him. I used to see him all the time. I used to play with his kids, Jim and John. Oh, my god. And uh, I knew his wife. I used to swim in his pool, and his kids used to come over and swim in our pool. And he'd come over and have a cocktail with my dad every now and then. So, yeah, I, I knew him. He was a very, very nice man. And, oh, uh, wow. And she was a very nice person, too. But, yeah, I mean, I literally uh, I, I grew up. I lived in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So Oh, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool.
0: Oh, now, now you. I remember um, your, I heard the story about your dad being a, a concert pianist as well, right?
1: Yeah, he played. He played. Uh, he played concert piano. He was a. Uh, he sang in a, a tenor. He sang in a tenor in a barbershop quartet. Oh. Um, he started, He did a. He did a. Um, a concert, a piano concert, classical concert uh, at Purdue University when he was twelve years old. Oh, and gosh. uh he was um you know every year you know oakmont country club since 1972 we've been there mm-hmm. and uh we have the annual meeting uh for all the members it's the last wednesday in october and every year um the annual meeting at oakmont country club is opened up by the singing of Locke lomond yes and my father and my father for you know 46 years led you know, got up there on the dais and he led the he led the membership in the scene of Walk Lomond every year. And then oh, he was wow. his last year doing it. He was eighty seven. Mm. Um, he died in 2019, 2018. And um, he uh, he could still hit the high note at the age of eighty seven. So, yes. yeah, yeah. So, he yeah, he was a played classical piano his concert, uh, barbershop, quartet, tenor, great singing voice, finance guy. There wasn't anything the guy couldn't do. He was my hero
0: that's unbelievable oh that is so you never really hear those kind of stories anymore I am so thank you so much for talking with me and uh, well it's
1: my pleasure
0: I I uh, oh man can I can can you give me your address later I want to send you a thank you card <laughs> sure 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 yeah I'll give you I'll, I'll text it to you absolutely thank you so much a- anyway I had another uh, golf club question so sure I had a set of Mizuno mp14s and MP that's what I played when I was on
1: tour did I you really the tri- yeah, I always played the 14s because I liked the way the wedges look as opposed to 29. You know, the 29, 29, 29 had a little deeper profile on the heel. I never liked oh. how those looked. And the 14s had that really narrow, literally thin profile mm. on the heel of their wedges. I just thought the wedges looked a hell of a lot better than the 29s. But, oh, uh, wow. but I, I, played, I played the 14s for a long time.
0: Now, did the 29s have offset on them? No, they did. No, they didn't. If they did, it was so minute. Okay. Uh,
1: I think they were. I think that. I think that the. I think the 29s had a slightly different metal composition. Mm-hmm. I know that what they're producing now and what they the 14s they were 1025, uh, 1025e low carbon steel. Okay. And I think that I think the 29s might have had like a little nickel in there or something like that. I there was a little different metal composition. I know that Faldo played the 29s. A lot of guys played the 29s. And yeah. some guys played the 14s. I mean, it's just like it's just like anything. I mean, some guys like Blondes, some guys like Brunettes.
0: Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to um, – I mean, if you're a Mizuno staff player, did you ever get a chance to play the Tour Provens that were predominantly in Europe? I did not. Never played
1: the Tour Provens. Never okay. played the Tour Provens. But I was uh, – God, they were – Mizuno took great care of me uh, mm. for years. But I was also – you know i was loyal i'm a loyal guy i mean i'm yeah. like i said i've been with timeless foot choice since 84 uh yes. i've never hit another golf ball on a golf course i've obviously hit different range balls but i've never hit another golf ball on the golf course since 84 um yeah. and I've, I've never hit another iron uh, other than mizuno's now i have i have uh voki wedges i used voki wedges when i was on tour i love bob voki he's, he's yes. a great guy and yes. um you know now it, with the set that i have coming i've got uh I've got the MP20s. I've got tailor-made hybrids, two tailor-made hybrids. I've got a tailor-made 3-wood yeah. and a tailor-made, uh, tailor-made MI3, MI4 driver. Okay. And then uh, my irons are going to be a 5-through pitching wedge, uh, MP20s. And I've got the blue ion uh, gap wedge at 52, 56 sand wedge, and a 60 sand wedge in the blue ion. And that's, they all should be coming here hopefully another week or so.
0: Okay, okay. Now I wanted to ask you about putters. Um, yeah, did you, did you ever did you play ping putters by chance back in the eighties and nineties? Oh, 90s? everybody! Oh,
1: everybody played pings. I was a I was a ping zing guy. I, I was a zing.
0: Now a uh, zing, as in like the magnesium bronze, like what Olazaba won the ninety four Masters with and fuzzy yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The ping the, the the ping zing. I used that all throughout my amateur career. Wow. Uh,
1: I used a little bit uh, early on in my uh, professional career. But uh, I won a lot of amateur golf tournaments with that putter. I okay. still have it, actually. And wow. uh, and then, you know, I got on tour, and then I started playing, you know, various things. But uh, I used the Scotty Camerons. I've got a bag full of Scotty Camerons that my kids have, the ones that my kids haven't stolen from me.
0: Oh, good. And,
1: um, and then I also was a, a big uh, Odyssey guy. I actually put with oh. a. Actually, I probably the same putter that I almost won the Canadian Open with you know 22 years ago. The oh. uh, the Rossi two, Odyssey Rossi two. Oh wow,
0: that's the mallet, yep. isn't it?
1: It is a mallet with a little bit of offset. Yeah. And um, you know, I just I had I used all these different putters over the years and fiddle fartered around here, you know, in my 50s. And I just uh, just one day I thought, man, I said I want to go back to my Rossi. So that's what I did. And uh, I've actually played very, very well uh the last several years. This past year, especially at Oakmont, I play in the SWAT, which is a big men's group. Right. I mean, I've shot I've probably shot a handful of sixty eights, nines, and you know, it's just I just I've put really well with this putter and it just yeah. is just you know, you find something that works, you just should never leave it. As well, you know yeah. with Crenshaw with his with eighty eight oh
0: two. Yeah, yeah. Now you met now the Odyssey Rossi two, that's the putter that Faldo used to win the ninety six Masters, is that right?
1: Um uh, might have been. I know that I know that he used a Scotty Cameron Mizuno. Uh, oh. I believe in the early nineties. I actually yes. have one of those.
0: Yeah. Scotty I
1: actually have the Scotty Cameron Mizuno, it's a mallet, black gunmetal yeah. mallet. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he used the Rossi in the in the Masters to win in ninety six. Yeah. But I know that uh, you know, God, I mean a lot of guys love that putter. It was a great putter.
0: Yeah, he, he used a, a B-60 beryllium copper for many years. Yep, yep. And then Another did... great
1: putter. Larry Nelson used the, uh, yes, exactly. the B-60 to win the 1983 U.S. Open at Oakmont. At
0: Oakmont, yes. Right. Yes. Now, um, oh, gosh. Have you ever – I mean, what's the greatest score you've ever shot at Oakmont just in a practice round?
1: Well, my, the greatest score I've ever shot at Oakmont, I I almost shot 63. Wow. Uh, but I've shot, I've shot 64, three times and I've shot 65, probably a handful of times. Wow. Uh, first time I shot 64 there, I had, uh, we started off on the 10th. years was actually playing. This was actually the 4th of July and, uh, we were finishing on the front nine and I hit a big T-shirt on the ninth hole, which is a membership. We play as a part five. Yeah. And, uh, during the championships since so seven, they've been playing as a more well, since the Oh three amateur right. been playing number nine as a par four. And, uh, so I hit a big tee shot and I had six iron left in on the part five and they were, were syringing the greens. And so I waited for them to clear the green. They were syringing them. Hit a six iron in there about 40 feet past the hole. And as soon as I, as soon as I made contact with the ball, I thought you dumbass, they just put water on the screen. Oh. I left it about, I left it about six feet short, then spun it out for 63. So oh. I've shot 64 there three times. And then, uh, 64 there three times and 65, probably five or six times.
0: Unbelievable, unbelievable. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about 63s at Oakmont, and what comes to mind is 47 years ago, Mr. Johnny Miller won the U.S. Open shooting 63 in the final round yeah. at Oakmont. Now, how huge was that accomplishment?
1: Well, at that time, it was, I mean, Arnold ended up finishing fourth in that tournament, and Miller, Miller had shot 76 the day before. Oh. And on the Saturday 76, he had forgotten his yardage book at his hotel room. And so he was out there. He actually used a club cat, a guy by the name of Lou Baudette. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lou uh, didn't have a yardage book. Johnny had a yardage book left at the road. So they were basically out there blind. And so he, he went off relatively early on Sunday, and we had an enormous amount of rain on Saturday night. And you know Miller goes out there, and you know Palmer's watching the leaderboard. He says, where, where the hell is this guy playing? Gosh. And you know it was just it was he had a, he had one bogey he had three part of the eighth grain and uh, ended up shooting 63 had a chance to shoot 62 on the uh, 18th hole I believe he spun out about a 12 footer for birdie on 18 on the 72nd hole Wow and uh, <clears throat> you know he was playing with Miller Barber that day
0: oh and my it was God, just, Miller it,
1: Barber. Just, wow. yeah Mr. X Wow and just one of the, just one of the greatest rounds in the history of the game because the golf course at that time, uh you know nobody did to the greens what we did you know we would have uh you know people say oh you know the greens didn't roll you know 13 or 12 back in the 30s the 20s and the 40s i'm like no but they probably rolled 11 uh and what they how they got that speed was when they got the when they got when the club got new
0: mowers Mm,
1: uh we retooled we retooled the settings in our own machine shop there right and so we dropped we dropped the mower heads lower but what we did was we rolled, we rolled the greens twice a day, and we top dressed the hell out of them. Yeah. So in in the in the day when everybody else was rolling around seven, uh, the greens at Oakmont rolled probably eleven to twelve, uh, yes. which was unheard of. And back in seventy three, you know, it was a you know at that time you had one hundred and seventy eight bunkers on the golf course, and I've got two hundred and eleven. Mm. But the greens were still like nothing anybody else had putted on before because we we altered the equipment. Yes. Um. But that, that round right there, I mean, the golf course now compared to the, the golf course, when Miller shot that, I believe it was 69-89. And oh, now wow. we're at 72 But the difference is, is that the golf course is more narrow. Uh, the bunkers over the course of the years, the bunkers were always, at Oakmont, the bunkers always had a grass face, flat-bottom yes. grass face. And what happens is over the course of the years – the, when the ground crew goes and they're doing the edging around the bunkers, they have a tendency to edge the bunker faces up. And next thing you know, when that sand is pushed up against the face, that is referred to as flashing. Oh, and so okay. what, what happens is that you have a lot of flashing, and so the, the ball rolls up on the flashing. Now you have an uphill lie coming out of a fairway bunker. It's not that, not that hard of a shot. Wow. And so back when Miller won in 73, all the bunkers had flashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the golf course was immaculately maintained, it wasn't, it wasn't up to the standards that you would see a golf course now. Um, but the, the golf course now is just, I mean, it's just so much harder. Yeah. It's more narrow. Uh, back then, the, the fairway width was probably 32 yards wide. Now we're at about 26 and a half yards wide. Mm. Uh, the, the fairway bunkers, you know, they range anywhere from four feet deep to six feet deep. Uh, you know, the mm. Mr. Phones who, who, who founded the golf course,
0: Yes. Uh, his,
1: his mantra was, a shot poorly played is a shot irrevocably lost. So, you know, people say, oh, well, the bunkers are too deep. It's like, no, not really, uh, because he wanted that shot. You hit a wayward shot. He wanted you coming out sideways. He wouldn't have a chance to knock the ball on the green. So that's kind of where we are.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've heard you mention the, um, you know, the effects of trying to – I guess, how do you say narrow the golf course in terms of like, you can't make a golf course longer. You just got to narrow it and just make narrow it more, it. more, you make it. You make,
1: yeah. Yeah. You make it, you make it more narrow. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have smaller greens with a lot of motion in your greens. That's how, that's literally how you don't have to go long. It's you go, you go more narrow
0: Yes.
1: and uh, whether people do it with trees or whether you do it with bunkers, trees are easier to maintain. Yeah. Uh, than bunkers obviously but the, the problem with trees is that they you know trees and grass compete for the same things and also you have trees that block airflow yeah and uh airflow and circulation is more important than sunlight
0: yes it is and,
1: yeah but the ba- you know the way to make golf courses harder you don't you don't make them longer you make them more narrow
0: Yes. Now, as far as I go, I, I used to I, I was in that sort of golf maintenance sort of business back in like the late '90s into the 2000s. I did work at Riviera for like a month and a half, and we were preparing okay. for the U.S. Senior Open in '98. Yeah. As as and we had um, uh, Paul Latshaw was there. He was from Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, Paul was at Oakmont. Well, yes, young he was. Paul, yeah. yeah.
1: Paul, old Paul, was at Oakmont. Yes, and young Paul obviously was his son, but I knew I knew my father was uh, my father was uh, my father was grounds committee chairman for the eighty three U S Open. Oh, I knew Paul Latshaw very well and uh, worked with Paul on a daily basis. Yes, so I know Paul very well.
0: Well, that that's cool because the next question I wanted to ask you remember I mean you remember when Dustin Johnson was coming down the stretch in two thousand sixteen and the USGA was sort of you know they didn't know whether the ball moved or whatever. Was that a, was that because the greens were so they were, they were rolled before the day and and they were so oh, they, undulating? They,
1: yeah, they, yeah, they roll them. They roll them, uh, on a daily basis, not a, oh. a non-tournament day. Mm. They roll them, they roll them, uh, they double cut and roll on a normal day. yeah And on the weekends we triple cut and roll. Oh, so the greens. I was I was player hospitality chairman for the 2007 U.S. Open. Oh, and I would meet Mike Davis on the porch every morning at five a.m. for a cup of coffee. And he we would we would talk about, you know, the setup and everything else. Mike was a longtime friend from Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Wow. And I said, you know, Mike, where are they running today? Now, this was it. This was at, you know, four thirty five o'clock in the morning. Oh um with a little bit of moisture still on the greens and they would for the u.s open in seven they were they were rolling 15 15 8
0: oh my god uh, on the stent meter
1: and wow. this year this year with our weather was so good we were actually able to get green speeds up to over 17 in the fall
0: oh my goodness
1: so it's like putting it's like
0: putting on marble oh man that's a that's a ooh that is fascinating that is just fascinating well, I um, I am lost for words right now. I am so thrilled to be able to talk to you. And um, are you, uh, what are your plans for this year? Are you gonna are you gonna play in any big tournaments coming up? No,
1: I. You know what? If I do anything, I might try to qualify for the U.S. Senior Open. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But you know, look, I it's you know what it's. I look at it and. Uh, you know I enjoy playing the SWAT at Oakmont. I love playing at Oakmont and you know yeah. for the most part you know that's I had my chance, I had my time, I loved it. I did some things in golf that some other people wish they could do.
0: yeah
1: and for me the tournament the tournament life it's like you know what let's uh, let other guys do it i'm I'm busy running a big real estate business here in, in Pittsburgh. so yeah. uh, I love the game. I will always love the game. I love guys that play the game and yeah. uh, I, I still play pretty well I, I carry a 2.6 plus. Hey. a plus 2.6 at oakmont and like i said my last time out there i shot 68 wow. so i can still i can still bring it but uh you know it's the tournament wise i'm, I'm i want to be the best real estate manager that i can't there, you go. That's there what, you go that's what motivates me now
0: now um i heard in that last podcast i watched you did you have your own radio show on xm radio what
1: I did was I had my own radio show uh, on the West Virginia radio network. I did that for 12 years. It's oh so on called Tita green Monday nights from seven to eight o'clock. I did that for 12 years. And then uh, I worked as an analyst for four years on PJ tour radio on Sirius XM oh I would probably work a dozen tournaments a year for about four years. And then uh, I would fill in for like Brian Katrick and Matt Adams. They would need somebody to fill in, Wow. Uh, you know, like on a, on a, you know, on fairways of life or whatever. And they'd call me and then I would reach out to my studio in West Virginia. And they say, yeah, come on in. You got studio three. So I would, yeah. So I did, I did quite a bit of radio work.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, did you take like, I mean, that this was like play by play stuff. I would, I would assume, right? Yeah. The,
1: the analyst, the analyst stuff was play by play. Well, it was, yeah, you're, you know, you're, it's, it was, it was, Sirius x was very, very challenging because you're looking at three monitors uh you've got the producer in your ear you've got the on-course rovers in your ear and i'm basically you know as you're calling a shot they'll say okay uh bob you've got Webb simps on the 12th and say okay we got Webb Simpson on our 12th hole. he's you know he's wearing white slacks and a, and a blue top white shoes he's got a six iron ting up on the right hand side 187 yards to the hole he's gonna be really careful about that right bunker and he swings it back swings it through the balls away and the ball lands and as you're finishing the call then the producer says, "Okay, now you're going to go over to Tiger Woods playing number seven, and we're going to throw it over to Fred Albers who's following Tiger Woods. Fred, what's he got over there? You know, it's just, so it's 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 basically it was six hours with uh, four two minute breaks an hour, oh my and it was gosh. very very intense. But I loved it. It was a lot of fun. That's a lot awesome. of fun.
0: Now, do you have opinions on the current state of television golf commentating, golf broadcasting, like?" Do you like it? Do you wish it's, it could be it's improved? It's okay. I
1: mean, uh-huh. I think that the I think the best guy there right now, I think, is Paul Eisinger. I think right. Paul does a brilliant job. I think I think Frank Navarro does a brilliant job. Okay, okay. Um, but I just you know, it's just uh, you know, Nance's Nance's Jim Nance is kind of uh, he's the man. I mean, he's he's a wonderful guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, knows the game, plays the game, plays very well. Uh, I think it's, I think they're okay. It's just a little bit shocking to see what NBC did with the Golf Channel, moving those people up in Stamford, Connecticut, shutting things down. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a business decision and they've been losing money and Mm -hmm. just the way it is. It's a business decision.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, I I, thank you so much for spending time with me. Um, I think I might be out of all, I'm probably out of all uh, questions I was thinking (laughs) about. But anyway, have a great year and happy real estate, uh, selling. And oh my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> Mr. Bob friend ha- is on the knackered Golfus podcast and oh my gosh, this has been a truly an honor and please send me your address. I want to send you a thank you card.
1: Well, Trent, thank you very much. I enjoyed speaking with you and, uh, you know, if you love the game of golf then then we'll be friends. I really appreciate the time you took and
0: uh, all the best to you. Yeah, okay, one last question. What does yes. golf what does golf mean to you? What do, what does it mean golf? to you? Uh it was, you know, other
1: than it's funny, you know, I was talking to my wife this morning, we were watching uh watching this the the first episode of the Tiger Woods piece.
0: Oh, on HBO. We we're watching yes. it
1: and uh I just stopped and I just, I just told her, I just said, we were talking and, you know, they showing, you know, a tiger at Hoylake and, and, uh, Faldo was there and Faldo was talking. And I said, you know, I played with him and, and I just told her, I paused. I just said, you know, I said, I saw all three of my children. Now she was, this is my second wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we were talking and I, I said, you know, I said, I saw all three of my children born. You wouldn't have right. to say that if, she was if she was the mother of my children because she's like uh no kidding dipshit i was there too (laughs) uh but anyways uh i just you know i said i watched all three of my kids born Mm. in the delivery room saw them all come out i said getting my tour card is equal to that because it's a it's a it's a lifetime of work a lifetime of dreams a lifetime of tears lifetime of frustration a lifetime of joy yeah. but that's what i that's how that's how much getting your tour card means It's literally it's a, it's every and, and watching your kids being born mm. is a miracle and wow. uh but getting your getting your pga tour card it it feels on the same level as that that's how much it that's how much it meant to me and that's how much it means to all those guys
0: oh wow well that's amazing you know i uh for me, I, I, golf was the only sport that I was ever good at, and I I won a long driving contest once at Hagen Oaks, and I won a Yonix driver, and I uh, I love golf. I, I love talking about golf. I am so thankful that there's a community out there of people that just want to talk about golf, and yeah. I love it. I love I love the majors. I love the Masters. I love the the British Open. I love Paul. I I love Paul Azinger. I love Payne Stewart. Nick Faldo. Yeah, Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods. I mean, you. I mean, forgive me for not asking. Uh, you played. You played with Tiger at the Greater Los Angeles Open at Riviera in ninety two. Yeah,
1: play. Yeah, played with Tiger at the LA Open, the Nissan LA Open in ninety two. It was uh, sixteen. Wow. I was. Uh, that was my rookie year on tour, and I've played with. I've played with Jack Nicholas. I've played casual, a lot of casual rounds. Wow. With Jack, his son and I were friends, so I've played a lot of casual golf with Jack. I've been hunting with him, fishing with him. Been in his airplanes with him. Uh, been at his house hanging out with him. Uh, oh, wow. You know, played with Tom Watson. Played with Payne. Played a lot with uh, Zinger.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, played with Lanny Lanny Watkins uh yeah so all of them, all of them very blessed trent
0: very blessed well yeah i saw i saw palmer and nicholas tee off on number four at riviera during the senior open and i had a i was like right behind him and it was just like it was magic so anyway bob friend thank you so much i hope you'll be my friend sorry didn't mean to say that <laughs> i know yeah. you're my you're my friend because you were I'm both into because, golf because, yep We're both into golf, and God bless you. Have a great year, and uh, thank you so much from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Bob Friend. Thank you so much for being on the Knackered Golfist Podcast. Hey, My pleasure, Trent. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Have have a great day. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That was absolutely brilliant fun. Four, please. The knackered golfist now driving.